All right, everybody. Welcome in to Weekends with Swipe Up, Pickaxe, and Roll. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to hang out with my friend Cam. Weekends with Swiper on deck should be a lot of fun. Hope everybody's having a great Easter. Happy Easter to everybody, to those who celebrate, and to those who don't, that's perfectly fine. We are here to have fun on this Sunday, regardless of what you celebrate. And my friend Cam and I are very excited to come to you for this one. Dude, this is going to be a crazy, crazy couple months. I am so excited. I am so excited about everything that's about to happen with this team. First of all, how are you? How would you celebrate today? And uh, and what's what's going on in the life of Swiper Cam? Yeah, man. We'll start out happy Easter to those who celebrate. Happy Resurrection Day to those who celebrate. If you don't, you know, appreciate it. Shout out to you. If you got a chance to do some Easter egg hunting or whatever, or you just slept in and had some brunch, whatever, all good. Hope you enjoyed your Sunday and your weekend. Uh, but, yeah, I feel really good, Ryan. I think that this is everything that we've been waiting on, Ryan. We have gone through three straight playoff series without a starter. Will Barton with Jamal Murray, and then last year, obviously, without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So this is the first time. This is the time that we have all been clamoring for since April of 2021 when Jamal Murray went down with an ACL injury, and we are here. And we got the play-in tournament, and then the Denver Nuggets begin their 16-game pursuit of an NBA championship. So, look. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot that's going to be talked about, but I am glad to be celebrating the end of an 82-game season with you and all of our friends here supporting Mile High Sports and the Swiping Game Network. I love it, man. Everybody, make sure to give this a like on the MHS channel, on the Swipe a Cam channel. If you're listening to this in the audio version, make sure to go rate, review, and subscribe on that front as well. That is always appreciated. Uh, Bringing back it, horrible memories, man. This is about like... Two years ago, since Jamal Murray tore his ACL, that was April 12th, 2021. I know exactly where I was when that happened. Do you remember where you were? I know I was watching the game on uh, my TV, as I always do, propped in my spot in my living room, man. And I remember they were down seven with like less than a minute left. And, you know, Jamal was just coming back from that little knee soreness he was having or whatever else it was. Then he did a real hard plant and you know it was one of those things where it looked like he was like just playing really 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 like almost not out of control but like he was playing like super hard and then it was just like a Derrick Rose-esque plant and man it was uh yeah at that point in time man it was just like yeah it's just it sucks because Jamal Murray you know you've just seen so much from him and we've seen him uh, since he's been in Denver in 2016 so we were all sad for him but man that was that was a, that was a hard moment for sure it was difficult. I, I remember I was debuting an app for uh, some of the, some company that that approached me. I was like, "Hey, you you can have these chats on this on this app. It's audio only, no video, nothing like that." And I was chatting with people and watching this game. Like it's 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 not going great, but then that happens, and I'm just catatonic like for the entire rest of the night. And because I, I knew exactly what happened, like there there's there's there was no question in my mind, what was actually going down. And it was, it was a sad moment for sure. For me, for a lot of people, it was just a, a brutal time. But if you're a Nuggets fan, you know that the last two years of time basically has been building and it's been in holding. And, and now they're at that point, they're at that threshold where 
you can stop worrying about what might be and just enjoy what happens now because this team is going through this. They've gone through this regular season uh, with some lack of, I think, energy and intensity of late, but they clinched the one seed. Who cares? And now you can enjoy. Now that's the hope is that you can enjoy this moment as a Nuggets fan. And I know I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, just just any number of emotions. Pick an emotion. You're probably going to feel it over the course of these next couple months. But the hope is that Nuggets fans can enjoy that ride together. And and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, man. But let's get down into our flow. Uh, we'll recap the week just a little bit here. Not anything from a perspective of like, like super importance here. I, I remember we recorded the last weekends with Swipe, but before the Golden State Warriors matchup where Denver won without Nikola Jokic, that was the Peyton Watson breakout game. That was really cool. Got to see Peyton Watson show up in Houston, show up in Phoenix, show up in Utah, and now show up again tonight or today against Sacramento. That's honestly probably my biggest takeaway from this actual week is that Peyton Watson's going to be a real player. Uh, what what do you think about this week when when Denver ultimately clinched again? Like as as I said, as I predicted uh, on on uh, on the last weekend's with Swipe, uh, they won the Western Conference without actually winning a game. Uh, what what were you thinking during all of those moments this past week? Yeah, you know, um, if you've been on my timeline at all, you've got a chance to see my thoughts on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I have been clamoring for, I feel like, some time now. Like, when he was drafted out of UCLA, you know, there's his just six-foot-seven wing. That's kind of a different kind of prototype. And we hadn't seen him really right. Not for real. We saw him in spurs, but not like real basketball, right? And then Peyton Watson decides that we're going to get an opportunity versus Steph Curry. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get three blocks on Steph Curry in one game. I'm like, oh, cool. And then he gets two opportunities versus Kevin Durant. And he shows up versus Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And then we see him versus the Utah Jazz, gets another block on a dunk at the rim, and then gets another block on a floater, and then gets another block when Chris Dunn tries to take him off the dribble and he swats it with his left hand. And then you got the Rockets game, and then you get to today where – Peyton Watson started flexing some of his offensive ability, getting to the rim, Ryan. And for me, and I saw him get stops against De'Aaron Fox today, had another block versus D Fox. Ryan, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> I, I, again, Ryan, you tell me, I want, and I want you to tell me, because sometimes I feel like you do a better job. Uh, if, if I am feeling a little too caught up in the moment, you can bring me back to reality. Ryan, do you see what I'm seeing? from Peyton Watson, or do you feel like I'm gassing it just a little bit? (laughs) Well, you're gassing him up. I know that for sure. Uh, But what I will say is like, it is something that Nuggets fans haven't really seen before, right? Like his athleticism, his blend of skills, his size, his quickness, his intangibles, he carries himself like a pro that's going to be in this league for a long time. He's approached this moment in a way that I feel very comfortable saying, that Michael Malone can trust him to at least when, when he has to call on him in the playoffs, that Peyton Watson's going to be ready. Peyton Watson's going to respond. And do I think that he's going to be a consistent part of the playoff rotation? No, no. I, I think that that's a step too far. But this moment with Peyton, 
I think has really solidified Denver's choice in him that, that they were right. Calvin Booth was right. What he was doing and what he's done over the course of this last just week and a half has proven exactly what the Nuggets wanted to see from him. Peyton Watson is going to be a player in this league for a long, long time. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I don't know if he's going to be a star. I don't know if he's going to be an all NBA player or anything like that. But what I do know is that he brings a skill set that makes him valuable. And a player like that, as long as you're given time to grow, to be nurtured, to be cared for, and, and then take advantage of the opportunities that come your way, I think the Peyton Watson's going to be an impact player for Denver as long as they continue to trust him. We'll see if that ultimately happens and whether it happens this year or in the years to come. But I see it. I see it just like just like you're seeing it, Swipe. Yeah, I think for me, it's just watching Christian Brown, six foot six. You know, he got he got a little bit knocked in the draft because of his negative wingspan, apparently. Uh, and then you get Peyton Watson. You get him at twenty one and thirty. And we said, and I even remember, like you know, when he first came out, it's like, yeah, you know, this is a guy that you know you can see this year, see what he looks like, and mostly going to be a G League guy. He'll be able to contribute. And remember, remember specifically. Because he only averaged three points a game at UCLA. I think that was like one of the lowest amounts of points per game a first-round draft pick has ever had. And then on top of that, people were saying, well, this is like maybe year three he'll be ready to contribute to basketball. But, Ryan, you don't take that kind of intangibles. And what I'm so excited about is that you have Christian Brown and you have Peyton Watson on rookie deals. And they've both shown that they have a tremendous ceiling when it comes to playing defense. And we've been asking for length. For so many years. And so you give Jokic a six foot six and six foot seven young athletic wings who can cut and get to the rim and run in transition and who also can defend and POA defense at the rim defense for Peyton Watson. They're just setting the Nuggets future up for so much success around Murray, Porter and Gordon. It's going to be fantastic, man. I think that I think that they're the exact types of players, like you said, that you want to have around as role players. And they, like, like I said, whether they grow into more than that or not, I don't know. But I hope Denver gives them every opportunity that they can get because the sky really is the limit with these guys. I think a Christian's a fantastic defender. I think that Peyton is a fantastic defender. And it would be nice to have really like – legitimately all defense caliber defenders in your rotation because Denver hasn't really had that yet. And I think that uh, KCP's had some moments, Aaron Gordon's had some moments, but I don't think anybody's getting those guys confused with real game changers on the defensive end. And, and I do think that Denver has at least a possibility yeah. that, that those other guys could, could become that, but we will see. Yeah. I think I would even say at this point in time, I, I think I would from a paint presence standpoint, I think that you can make an argument that Peyton Watson has even more of a paint presence as a defender than Aaron Gordon does. Now, he doesn't have the physicality that AG has. That's really what separates AG. Like when he guards Kawhi Leonard or LeBron, he's so big and he's so like muscular that it makes it hard to drive through him. But remember, when they were trying to guard SGA earlier in the year, if you got to see him in the playoff series, KTP was too small. Christian wasn't getting a lot of playing time at that point in time. Jeff was too slow and AG had the best odds, but he also was, again, you know, he was a little tired and nicked up. And then on top of that, that was the game where AG had like 30 and was making crazy three-pointers and working like crazy. But I think Peyton Watson and, and Christian Brown are your viable option to be like, look, SGA is going off. 
we need you to go at least corral him to some degree. And you can be like, look, bet, you know, just go do your best. And you can actually see the length and this quickness coming into a factor. And a recovery speed, I think, from Peyton, which is underrated. God, I hope the Nuggets play the Thunder. That would be, that'll be so much easier and less stressful than than some of these other matchups. And the Thunder will push them, but like we'll we'll talk about that in the second right. segment. But I do want to transition here a little bit. Wait, there was a game that happened today, uh, the Nuggets and the Kings. Like Jack White looked like Dennis Rodman. Um, Bruce Brown played a whole bunch of time, despite the fact that he probably shouldn't have, but he's a competitor and wanted to be out there. Uh, Reggie Jackson, Thomas Bryant had some good moments. Zeke Naji had some good moments. Uh, and, and then, as you mentioned, Paige Watson had some good moments too. But I, I thought that today was just insane watching the box scores and, and checking in on some of these other teams. You had dudes punching people on the sidelines. You had uh, the, the standings were flipping every five minutes. It was so crazy. And I, I know that Dallas got a little bit of flack for this, for tanking where, where they were, but I don't think the league needed Dallas to be there for today to be a great day. And it was a great day in the NBA with as much of the chaos and uh, just combustible stuff that happened today from, from all of these teams. Uh, how much were you able to pay attention on the, on this holiest of days? And uh, I, I know that there, there's a lot that, that had to go into today. If, if you're covering the nuggets and, and just wanted to hang with family too. Right. Well, first off, uh, Golden State put uh, 55 points up against the uh, Portland Trailblazers, who basically advanced everybody in the first quarter. Uh, by the way, that was not a halftime score. That was the first quarter. Um, so I think the, 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 the one that was the most interesting for me was the Clippers and Suns, because the Clippers easily could have just, you know, put that away, went to the sixth seed, put Golden State right there, called it a day. Uh, but they said, no, we actually don't care. We are willing to play whoever, wherever. And now we have a Clippers-Suns first-round series, which I am legitimately excited to see Kawhi Leonard at the apex of his powers with a must-win situation versus Kevin Durant. That's going to be must-see TV in basketball. And I think the four quarters of those games, they're going to be incredible. So I'm, I'm super excited. I think the Clippers having so many, like, wings – and even like Terrence Mann level players on the top, like they don't have a lot of POA defense for quick players, but I think for Kevin Durant and Booker, you know, I think Norman Powell and Terrence Mann can at least, and even Russ to some extent, can at least make it work. So I'm really excited for that. Um, the Lakers obviously got the win versus the Utah Jazz. Now everybody LA is celebrating, and now they're the seventh seed, so they got the plane and all that stuff. And apparently, since, you know, Rudy, wait, hold on, bro. Not even Rudy Gobert. Jaden McDaniels is out. He broke his hand before the playoff starts, punching the wall. <laughs> the best, maybe the best wing defender in the NBA this year. Dude, that dude was getting that work by Brandon Ingram, and he punched a wall in frustration. <laughs> well, Brandon's been killing everybody lately. But, bro, the playoffs are here, and you had an opportunity to strap up for the first round versus whoever. And now you're you're done. You're not playing. And now you got a he has a fractured hand. His his shooting hand. That dude could have made an impact against LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the play-in tournament. But no, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna break the hand. We're gonna wisely bow out at that point, I guess. And I, I think if you're the Nuggets, you're probably like, okay, well, maybe maybe playing the T Wolves wouldn't be so bad either. And if you're watching the Pelicans and, and seeing how many mid-range jumpers they settle for and how 
kind of weak they can be at times in their decision making and how you've had success against them in the past when Jokic is actually trying. And that's fine too. But uh, either way, like just Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson fighting each other. You had Mason Plumley and Bones Highland getting into it. Right. Former Nuggets. That's always that's always interesting. Right. Uh, there was so much tension in today and then so much combustibility in today where everybody thought, man, like got to avoid the plan at all, at all costs, got to avoid it and, and put ourselves into a great position to be successful. Clearly not a lot of people want to face the nuggets, I guess. <laughs> like they are, they're trying to avoid that particular, that particular matchup and trying to get to the Kings if they can, trying to get to the, the Grizzlies if they have to. But uh, I'm, I'm curious, like I, I, saw a lot of criticism of Dallas and for the way that they handled their business. Obviously you mentioned Portland. Uh, they, they have not been a basketball team for the last month, basically. Um, do you think that the plan is here to stay because it, it, it feels like, it feels like things have gotten weird, but also weirdly competitive and non-competitive at the same time. Like there's been some great moments and there's been some real low points. Like what's your, what's your perspective on this? Was it uh, Kevin O'Connor um, who suggested that if the, if you're, if you keep the playing that the first seed should be able to choose who they play in the first round, what's him? I think a lot of people think that way. And, and I, I tend to agree that like, if, if you're, if you're the top seed, you should not have to know what's coming on Friday night for a Sunday game. Yeah, because I think for me, it's like, so you're saying there's an incentive for bad to mediocre teams to remain bad or mediocre so long as they make the plan with a one-game or two-game shot to make the playoffs. So you basically get a, you're getting an extra hand to get an assistance into the playoffs. And on the other side of this, if you're a top-ranked team, the benefit of you is being a top-ranked team is getting whole court advantage through the playoff. But what if a team just manipulates their matchup all year and now you got to play again an actual top four to five-ish teams and then you've got to play one of them in the first round. So for me, I do think that there needs to be incentive for bad teams to try their best, and there needs to be incentive for the elite team to say, look, we took care of our business, so, hey, OKC, we choose you kind of deal. And that way you can actually build incentive on both sides. I, But to me, you Ryan, you got 82 games to determine how good you are. For me, that should be it. Like, I, I still am a little old school in that a little bit. I don't feel that's old school. I just think that, like, if you play 82 games and you still don't know who the top eight teams in the conference are, then for me, that's just like, what are we doing? Like, then play your guys throughout the entire season. If you don't make it, you don't make it. And everybody gets a trophy. You know, this is the NBA. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I did like the idea, and I think that there are some good things that come with it, but I do think that there are some things that uh, should be, I think, a little bit flexible, should be workable. The close to this regular season was good from a competitive standpoint. There's no doubt about that. Right. I think I think a lot of these teams are are fighting really hard, and and the parity in the Western Conference in particular, I think, has been really good for the NBA and for drawing some interest into all of these teams. But it involves like a lot of kind of like throwing of games with second night of back to backs. It involves especially in that January, February period, it's like a lot of teams are just whatever, whatever is going on is fine. Uh, I do think that the Nuggets should get credit for taking this regular season more seriously than any of the Western conference teams, at least to the point where 
Like they could have won 60 games if they wanted to. And, and they didn't even take it that yeah. seriously for the last six weeks. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. But the fact that they still won 53 and nobody else could even really come like, like that close to them was pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts how, how flat everything is. And I'm not sure if it's a good thing. I'm not sure if it's a bad thing. I think it's just a thing this year uh, with some of the injuries and, and yeah. some of the, the transition that the NBA has had from being a bunch of elite teams to just a bunch of really good teams. But I guess we're going to find out in the playoffs what, what this but, means. But that's, that's the NBA's fault too, though, Ryan. Like you made it to where you don't have to play an 82-game season by putting a playing game in place because that way, you know, you can sit. Like you can literally just sit and you can stay between 10 and 9 and 8 and 7 and you can just kind of fluctuate between there. So, and again, I agree with you. I think the thing is a lot of people are going to be hung up. The Nuggets only won 53 games. You know, there were one seed, this and that, would you move? But again, the Milwaukee Bucks, what did they end up winning? Was it 57? I think it was 58, but I, I actually don't know. Uh, I'm seeing 58 and 24. 58 and 24, 57 and 25. That's all, These are also not strong one seeds record-wise. Right. But on top of this, the thing that makes this so important, though, is that these teams were able to put their foot on and off the gas throughout the season because they knew that they had room to do so. And so – uh, I do believe the Nuggets could have won 58 games this year because I predict I think they're going to win 57. But, Ryan, they went 8-10 and 10 their last 18 games after they took the number one seed from Memphis. And, again, people don't realize this. They had a seven-game lead with a tiebreaker over the Memphis Grizzlies on March 3rd. And they went 8-10 and 10 over the next 18 games. And they won 53 games. So... This is what I wish people sometimes outside of the Nuggets community could understand uh, because that means, Ryan, the Nuggets were sitting at, Ryan, they were 45 and 19, 45 and 19 when they won that game. And I thought they had a chance to legit get to, I don't know, 58 and 24, 59 and 23. Like I thought all that was in play, but the Nuggets were just like, no, we're good. They took on the identity of their their leader, you know, and they just basically said that, all right, Spurs, Rockets, whoever, go ahead. You know, get your little wins. Get your, you know, get your nice victories. If the Bucks are here, we'll molly off the Bucks. If the 76ers come to town, we'll whoop the 76ers. But everybody else, we're going to basically give you our C game. And that's how they approach the rest of the year. So I, I, I do – you know, I have some more takes on this too, Ryan. So I, I think the Nuggets took the gas off the pedal maybe a little too much at times. Um, could it might have cost the MVP award? And then there's some other stuff that happened with that as well. But yeah, man, it's just it was just a really frustrating year. And I think the plan aided all of that stuff. No, for sure. I think I think the plan has dragged teams down to the middle. I th- I think that that's that's really what we're doing. It's it's been like a gravitational effect. Right. Ever since it went into to what it's doing, but look, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves. It's probably not over. It's probably not done evolving in general. But I'm as curious as everybody else is to see what happens. But look, tell you what, let's let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this plan. We're going to talk a little bit more about everything that's going on. But should be fun. But first, everybody, you guys absolutely have to know and be ready for this push for the postseason in both hockey and hoops because baseball is also back. Hockey and hoops are going strong. You know that it's all going to count this spring with Superbook. 
Superbook Sports is excited, and they are the best wagering app around with a direct line to experience bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money at Superbook Sports. Make sure to visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Jackson Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, folks. If you can, it'd be awesome. Rate, review, and subscribe to the pod on the audio side. If it's your, if you're if you're on the video side, if you're watching this live on the MHS chat uh, in the Swipe a Cam chat, make sure to go hang out and and to like that video on those sides. Really does help us. Really do appreciate it. Of course. Uh, sorry if the uh, if if the actual uh, branding and the, the the technical stuff is a little bit slow. It's just me today. Michael's got the day off. He's going to go celebrate with family on a happy Easter for him and for, for everybody else. Uh, but Swipa, we are here. We are busy. We are locked and loaded after a fun day. And now that the regular season is over, the play-in tournament is set. Uh, I did not plug in the teams in the Eastern Conference in that, in that play-in tournament, but they are the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Hawks, the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, are any of those teams dangerous at all to any of the teams above them? I, I tend not to think so. Just I, I really do feel like the East has been pretty stable in, in how good the teams are at the top versus how good the teams are in the middle versus how good the teams are in the play-in. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. I think that the Miami Heat are going to do what they always do in the playoffs, and everybody's going to be shocked that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero are somehow giving the Boston Celtics fits in a playoff series because they just don't understand that you're not just going to turn off two-way level players to that degree who are both offensive. They can be good offensive players in the series. Well, Jimmy Butler, before he went down with an injury, I think he was averaging like 36-6 and on like 65% true shooting through the first three rounds of the playoff prior to going down, I think, the hamstring injury, uh, like game three or four versus the Boston Celtics. So – Having Bam out of bio to go against Robert uh, Williams, go against Al Horford and stuff, and then Jimmy and Tyler Hero, you know, maybe he shows up and hits some shots in that series and stuff as well. Victor Oladipo, Caleb Martin, you know, again, we'll see. I think they can beat the Hawks in that playing game, and I do think that if they do beat the Hawks, they're going to give Boston all they can. Now, they probably still win in six, the Celtics, but I don't think it's going to be like an easy series. Now, if that Heat team was playing – the 76ers may be a different conversation, but I think that the Boston Celtics might just be a little, a little too much for them. Man, it's too bad because I, I did want to see that matchup. I thought that Philly would struggle a little bit more with Miami than they would with Brooklyn. Uh, that could just be reputation talking, but I do think in general that that Sixers team, it goes as Embiid and Harden go, and and I think a team like the Sixers or the team like the Heat has found ways to slow those guys down with. Uh, the switching and the guarding and the fronting and uh, just being as athletic and, and mobile as possible. But 
going to be interesting to see in there. I, I tend to think that the Heat will probably prevail there. Hawks will probably prevail in that next game, although it could be Toronto. Uh, it feels like feels like Atlanta is still pretty weak. Could be Toronto. Could be Chicago. Chicago's actually impressed me in terms of their actual defense, their their perimeter defense, and being able to do some things. But uh, that's that's the Eastern Conference side. We'll we'll talk about that when it when it all settles in next. Ryan, oh yeah, what's up? By the way, have you paid attention to the Raptors at all since they got Yakupov? Dude, they're good. They're they're great with Jakob. Like he he's a good player, and I, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah, I think that even versus the Bucks, Jakob, OG, Pascal, Fred Van Fleet, and Scotty. Like <laughs> again, they're not going to be great, but that's still going to be a lot of length for Giannis to have to deal with. Now they still win the series. I have the Bucks going to the finals, but I still think that's going to be a really good series if they can play them. I think with the Bulls. Vooch has no chance. Derrick Jones, no chance. None of them. Uh, Patrick Williams, no chance. DeMar DeRozan, a DeMar DeRozan-backed uh, front court defensively in the playoffs, no chance. But the Raptors, I think, could actually give them like a decent series. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I think the play-in will will probably shape some of those matchups at least a little bit. But yeah, I think I think Boston is still probably my favorite. We'll, we'll talk about that in in the third segment, but. Boston's probably my favorite in terms of coming out of the East, but you never know. Like there, there's a lot of teams that, that I think could do it. So we will just have to see. Uh, but in the Western conference side, we've got the Lakers at seven, the Timberwolves at eight, the Pelicans at nine and the Thunder at 10 on Tuesday. We've got the Timberwolves at Lakers. Uh, obviously we talked a little bit in that first segment on, on what's going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Jaden McDaniels punching some punch at the wall and breaking his hand. Rudy Gobert punching another player on his own team and probably losing a lot of respect in that locker room in the process. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what that matchup looks like. But I, I tend to think that the Lakers will probably win this matchup and then the Nuggets aren't going to have to deal with them until the Western Conference Finals if they can make it that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what the Lakers do, bro. Um, you know, maybe we'll get that Anthony Davis and LeBron James everybody's been talking about. Um, and uh, D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley and Troy Brown Jr. and Rui Hachimura, Mo Bamba and Winyan Gabriel and all the rest of the cast of characters um, that ESPN and everyone's picking to win the West. And maybe a friend of mine, uh, Jason Temp, might be picking them if we make the playoffs uh, to make it out the West as well. So, uh, we shall see. But I will also say that uh, I think that that playing game is not going to be easy. Now, the Minnesota Timberwolves, if they don't have Jaden, it's going to be a big deal. I do think the Lakers will win that. Um, but, yeah, bro, that OKC and uh, Pelicans game, best believe that's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be fun. Going to be a fun one. That's on Wednesday for everybody. Uh, so, Thunder will play at the Pelicans on Wednesday. Timberwolves will play at the Lakers on Tuesday. And then Friday, you've got the winner of Wednesday's game versus the loser of Tuesday's game will play. And whoever wins that matchup will face the Nuggets in a 1-8 matchup on Sunday. Uh, so not a quick turnaround for whoever that is. Uh, they'll, they'll have really worry about their season. They'll have to worry about whatever's happening there. And I think Denver, they're going to get some rest, but they're not going to know who, it, who it's actually going to be, obvious, obviously. Um, I'm curious to hear this. Uh, I talked to you about this prior to 
Uh, if it is, if it is the Lakers that that drops in there, if it's the Pelicans or the Thunder or the Timberwolves, I want to rank whichever of these playoff teams is most likely to least likely to upset the Nuggets in a first round series because. I tend to think that Denver can take all of these teams and probably will take all of these teams pretty easily uh, in terms of a five, maybe six game series. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if some of those matchups are pretty close. Denver doesn't necessarily close that well. I think that they've proven that. Um, so what, which, which of those teams are you, are you thinking about as, as the one that's the most concerning? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be the Lakers number one. Um, all due respect to LeBron James, top two greatest player of all time, uh, 38 years old, but even still, he's he's a great player, great offensive player, not a great defender anymore, but, you know, you can't really do it at 38, like, you know, whatever. Anthony Davis, top 10 player, one of the best two-way players in the NBA, uh, can always give you 38 and 16 with four blocks, and then can always give you 17 and 12 uh, with two blocks. You never know what you're going to get, but when he's at his peak, he is a clear uh, top 10 player in the NBA. I think they're going to be number one. Of those next three, I would probably put the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think Kat and Rudy with Anthony Edwards. That's going to, that, they're still going to present problems. That's a lot of size and physicality, maybe. Um, and then no Jaden McDaniels, though, so their defender's gone. So Jamal Murray is basically going to be cooking Jordan McLaughlin and you know. No, he'll he'll go up against Ant. I, I think that Ant has, has really stepped in as a as a great perimeter defender. Um, is he going to be able to do both of those at the same time? No, I, I really do think so. I think that Jaden and Nance are both great in terms of when they turn it up. Now, uh, I think that Jaden's better. There's there's no doubt about that. But uh, I, I think that if you if you are predicting who is going to face Denver from a matchup standpoint, depending on – like if McDaniels has a, a hand wrapped and, and he's playing through it, then that's going to be one thing. But – it would probably be Conley, Edwards, Kyle Anderson, Carl Towns, and Rudy Gobert as their starting lineup. That would be my guess. So Ant probably guards Jamal. Yeah, I can get with that. Um, I, you know, I still think Jamal will cook in that matchup just because uh, I think Ant's good, but I think there's some clear things that he doesn't do well consistently. He's not always locked in, especially off balls he needs to be, and then he's going to come off a lot of actions. So trust me, if you want to put Jamal Murray in Ant, well, hey, Jamal, literally just come off every screen imaginable and then do all this two-man game. We're switching everything, covered it. Yeah, so I'm doing that. I'm probably going to say, bro, it might surprise you. I might do OKC next. I think that SGA, Jalen McDaniels, Isaiah Joe, you know you're going to get one of those games, bro. And then Josh Giddy and them, like, they're just going to get hot. And those kids don't know what not to know. So they're just going to play really bold in that series. Uh, then the Pelicans. I mean, I don't know how many teams outside the Pelicans and Clippers that Jokic has shown that. You don't have any answer for what I'm doing whatsoever, and Jokic legit might average a 40 point triple double in that series. So, yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Although with the Pelicans, I think that they have the offense, they've got the talent there, and and some really elite shooting from CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Trey Murphy. That's that's a good trio when it comes to actually shooting the basketball. And they also have the length and the athleticism that you're talking about uh, to maybe slow down some of the other guys even if they're not really slowing down Jokic. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to, that, that's an interesting matchup. And I'm surprised that you have the Pelicans at fourth. I, I, I think ahead. it's just because of the, the Zion situation. If he was there, then they would be all the way up to possibly two. 
I just am very impressed with OKC. I mean, since January 1st, they've actually been a really good, like, NBA basketball team, not just like a playing team, but a really good NBA basketball team, especially. And there's no doubt. I, I think that if you're talking about matchups for Jokic, though, like, they have none. Yeah. <laughs> They've got – at least at least Jonas Valanciunas can get you back some points on the other end. Uh, I don't know who the Thunder are going to start at center. It would probably be rookie Jalen Williams. Uh, not not the Jalen Williams on the wing, but the Jalen yeah. Williams from Arkansas. Um, that's a – that's a problem, I think, if you are – if you're the Thunder. So – I would probably have them four just from a matchup standpoint. And I think that Denver just has so many like wings and guards now that they can throw at SGA and try to slow him down just a little bit, uh, whether it actually works or not, like doesn't necessarily matter. I think everybody can hold up in a switch most reasonably, uh, but Denver's got enough guys that they can at least make his matchup a little bit tougher. Uh, but I do have to say like the Lakers are probably the top one. Like they're, right. they're probably the team that, you are most worried about if you're the Nuggets, just from the perspective of, hey, they have the like one player in Anthony Davis, not really LeBron, but probably Anthony Davis, who you could realistically say, yeah, they could match up or like match or exceed what Jokic does. I don't think that that's actually going to happen. I think the Jokic raises to that level, and that's that's not going to be an issue uh, because I believe in Nikola Jokic. But the way that AD has been playing lately, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he had at least two or three games where he was clearly better than Jokic on that day. Um, yeah, we disagree there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but just simply because I don't think Jokic, there's, Jokic couldn't have taken the last month off and then not come into playoffs and literally been the most dominant player basically in basketball. I don't think there's, there's a way for him to do that. Because that way Jokic couldn't he There's no way he could excuse like, you know, we're a number one seed. I'm going to literally just tone everything down. And then come out in a series. I don't care who it is, Anthony Davis or Embiid for that matter. And then be like, "All right, bet. Like, here's my like C game, whatever." I just don't think that's going to happen. I think I think Jokic knows that, and he's he's brought this up. Like, it's all about winning. So I don't know if we're going to talk about this right now, but I actually think I actually have a point to very much counteract that point later on. But I don't I don't want to you know take up the space right now. No, it's all good. I I think it's. It's completely fair to push back on that take. And it's not even really a take. Like right. I just I just think that I could see a world where it happens. Not necessarily that I actually think that it'll happen. Right. Um, just just more from the perspective of hey, it's this has happened in the past. This has mm-hmm. happened where you've seen it before, you know what the matchup could be. Uh, I think a lot of people are living in 2020 though, when it comes to that particular matchup and saying, Oh yeah, yeah, Jokic is definitely not gonna match up with LeBron and AD pick and rolls. Like no, he's going to be a little bit better than he was. I I, I promise that. Um, right. But either way, I think I think you got to go. Lakers is the most difficult. You'll probably go. The Timberwolves is the second most for me. It's the Pelicans third, and uh, we'll we'll go with the Thunder fourth. But I could I could see two and three flipping there because of this Jaden McDaniel's injury. I, I think that yes, there are some problems that a team like the T Wolves could pose the Nuggets. But I do think that Denver's got the better talents. They've got the better pieces. And it's not about, like, if Denver just brings their A game, a team like the Timberwolves is not going to be able to hang on, on, on either end of the court, by the way. Right. But Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a really interesting week, bro. Um, again, we get to that third segment. I got a little bit of uh, spice, spice things for the Nuggets, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, real quick, going back to – this matchup, who do you think wins, T-Wolves or Lakers? Lakers, Lakers, they have to. They have to. There's no chance. 
No chance. They don't want to. Yeah, they, there's no chance. They have to win. I'm picking the Lakers too. Who wins between Thunder Pelicans? I'm gonna, I might go with the Thunder, bro. I really might go with Thunder. Okay. Okay. And then you've got T Wolves Thunder then in the Friday matchup. Who would you pick there? Oh, bro. Um, I'm going to go with SGA versus Cat and Anthony Edwards. And them. I'm probably going to say I'm going to take the T Wolves there. I think you've got it right. I, I think I would pick the Pelicans over the Thunder. Would I pick the Pelicans over the T-Wolves, given what just happened? <laughs> given what just happened today where they had people punching each other because of this game. And now, it, even with all that happening, the Thunder still – or not the Thunder. The Pelicans still lost that game. Right. So that that's not exactly encouraging if you're a Pelicans fan. But um, I'll say T-Wolves too. I'll say the T-Wolves beat the Pelicans in that Friday game. And then Denver will face the T-Wolves in the 1-8 matchup on Sunday. That That's – my official prediction, your official prediction. We will see what ultimately comes to pass, but should be very fun uh, from that. But either way, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the playoff picture as a whole and, and really go over both the Eastern and Western Conference from that perspective. But first, everybody, Mile High Sports is doing some crazy things, and and we've we've talked a lot about it. We talked a lot about how it's great to be a Denver Nuggets, a Denver Nuggets fan, a Denver sports fan, but the coverage at Mile High Sports has never been better right now. And as you guys know, I'm doing all right on the Denver Nuggets side of things. Got my man Swiper here helping me out, uh, but we have a wide range of reporters, podcasters, and everybody else covering the pro and college teams across the front range. Make sure to check out Cody Rourke on the Broncos beat, Drew Creaseman covering the Rockies, Arif Dean covering the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. All of your local Colorado sports coverage is available at MHS, uh, milehighsports.com, and across social media at Mile High Sports. Plus, be sure to check out the latest issue of the MHS magazine. Every team, every day, this is Mile High Sports. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. back final segment pickaxe and roll weekends with swipe edition on this sunday happy easter to everybody let's wrap things up by talking about the playoff matchups we've got a lot to discuss here would you rather cover the eastern or the western conference first uh, let's get to the eastern conference first that way we can get to the juicy stuff cool bucks are at the one seed celtics at the two we will see who they play in the play and as we mentioned the Sixers and the Nets will play each other in that 3-6, and then the Cavs and the Knicks will play each other in that 4-5. Uh, some interesting match, interesting matchups there. I think I would have preferred Sixers Heat, as we mentioned, but I do like that Cavs-Knicks matchup. That should be a lot of fun. It's the Donovan Mitchell Bowl. That should be very interesting. Uh, what, what are your first impressions of the Eastern Conference as we look at it now? I mean, for me, it's pretty cut and, cut and clear who should win. Um, I think all the top four seeds should win those matchups. Um, I think it's good that the Knicks have been. I think that Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Karis LeBert, uh, even just their – I mean, they don't have, like, a great bench, um, but I think that they have enough firepower, enough defense, I think, to get over the hump on that. I don't 
love Julius Randle um, in a playoff matchup there. Uh, I also – maybe Jalen Brunson is able to do it again. You know, he did it last year, 41 game, 41 points in a game without Luka in a, in a playoff game last year. So maybe he's able to do it. But I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers should win that. 76ers are playing at the Nets with Nick Claxton at center. And unless they're planning on double-teaming Joel Embiid every single possession, that might be Joel Embiid's best playoff series he's ever had. I mean, because there's just – there's just no one there. Like, Nick Claxton's way too small. Um, they should win that arguably in four or five games. I think they're that much better than this Nets team. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I do think that one thing that the Nets really do have going for them is that they're going to win the math game in a lot of ways as long as they take enough threes. Like, if they have over 40 threes every single game, they're working it around the perimeter, they're trying to space out Joel Embiid to the perimeter, doing what – the Warriors did to the Nuggets in the playoffs last year, uh, doing what a lot of teams do to traditional centers when when they when they've got that matchup. They're not going to be able to guard Joel Embiid. They're, that's just not going to happen. So they'll probably switch everything. They'll probably front them in the post. They'll probably do what they did against Jokic and try to battle that way. And they may or may not have that success. And they may or may not make enough shots on the other end to make it competitive. But that's probably where I'm at with it. Uh, I, I think I'd probably predict Sixers and five. I think you're pretty pretty close to right on with that. Um, I think the Cavs and the Knicks will be interesting. Uh, yeah. I do think the Cavs have more talent. There's no doubt about that. But the Knicks, I mean, they've played well this year. There, there's no doubt about it. And if they steal one in Cleveland, then Madison Square Garden is going to be going wild. That's going to be a crazy environment. And that's a series that I think they, they believe that they can win. Kind of like how they thought that they could win against the Hawks, but the Hawks just were a very tough matchup. I don't know if this is going to be a similar matchup, but I do think that the Knicks are just a better team than they were in that previous iteration that lost in that first round. So going to see what that looks like. But I think I would predict Cavs in seven, mm. but it's it's tough. That's that's tough. Yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest hinge piece for that matchup is Evan Mobley. If Evan Mobley can make his shots, meaning enough of those three-pointers be a threat, I'm about like 33 35%. And then on top of that, if he can get that mid-range post-game going at all, like at all, I think he's going to win that series for them in 6-4-7. It's going to be an interesting matchup for him. He may have to avoid foul trouble with Julius Randle. That's, like, that's going to be a bully ball kind of matchup for him. And Evan Mobley... Not quite to the level of Jaron Jackson. Like I think Jaron Jackson's got a lot stronger. He's gotten to be a point where he's he's not going to be moved as much. Mobley can be moved, so yeah. that, that's that's at least something where I could see him fouling out in some games, uh, being in a in a lot of foul trouble in a lot of other games. So, going to see what it looks like, but that should be a fascinating matchup, of course. Real quick, you said you were picking the Bucks to come out of the East. Is that based off of what the what the field looks like right now, or or what? No, it's because they have a guy named uh, – what is his name? Uh, Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, they have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. They have Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, Pat Connington, Jay Crowder. They got Joe Ingles as well. And then apparently they have six other players on the roster they can play at any time. I think they have the highest defensive ceiling of any team in the playoff. I think that when it comes down to it, Giannis is arguably the best player in the NBA – with the most unstoppable factor to him in the NBA, which is getting to the rim at will, uh, and I think if he makes his if he makes his like 
his free throws in the playoffs, you're cooked. Because you found me and I'm making 80% of my free throws, you're done. And so that's your biggest hope. I think that the I think they have problems that almost nobody can actually deal with other than Embiid anchoring a playoff defense, which he's shown he can do at an elite level, and then also Boston uh, being able to throw as many bodies as they as they do at Giannis. So again, really this comes down to Chris Middleton's shot making and Drew Holiday. If Drew Holiday doesn't go five of nineteen again in a game seven run, I'm sure they're gonna make B five. But if he does that again, they're probably gonna lose. But I do think right now I'm taking Giannis. He's Drew Holiday is hilarious because there are times where I think he, he might be the best guard in the NBA based off of what he does. And then there are times, like you said, like he'll just he'll just completely disappear from a a, a scoring and, a, and an efficiency standpoint. And it just it just goes off the face of the planet. So if they make their shots, they will probably represent the East in the finals. I think I think you're right there. I don't know if they're going to make their shots. I think I'd still predict Boston gets gets past them. But that involves Boston winning over uh, winning over Philly and then winning over Milwaukee in successive rounds. So yeah. that's going to be very, very tough for them. There, there's a benefit to getting that one seed. You only have to play uh, whoever's the eight seed, then whoever comes out of that four or five, which is the Cavs or the Knicks. And it's just, it's just not the same. Do you, who do you think is a better matchup in the front court uh, for Giannis? Would it be the Knicks with Randall and, and Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein, or do you think Jared Allen with Evan Mobley and then um... – uh, what's the guy Wade off the bench? I like Dean Wade. He's he's probably probably uh, probably not the best player to throw into this to this particular conversation, but uh, I think it's probably the Celtics. Or, or was that was that who you asked? Was it the Celtics between the Knicks, the Knicks and the Cavs? Oh, Knicks and Cavs. Okay. Uh, ooh, Knicks and Cavs. I mean, Randall will be super physical with him. Will he actually be successful? I don't know. But that will be a very, very physical, physical matchup. And then, like, Mitchell Robinson's pretty good. Is he better than the Cavs guys? No. I think I'd probably take the Cavs defensive front court over them for sure, Uh, just from a Giannis matchup perspective. I agree with that. Um, Yeah, like, I I think – okay, now that I'm talking – I'm talking myself into it. I'll I'll take the Bucs. I'll take the Bucs in the (laughs) – in the Eastern Conference, just like well, it, it does matter. Like like being that one seed and not having to face both the Celtics and the Sixers on your way, I, I think that matters for sure. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can get through. We'll see we'll see what it looks like. But the Celtics and the Sixers are probably in for a freaking war. So right. that's a uh, that's a scary prospect for both of those teams. And I, I think either of them could feel like they're 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 bowing out real quick. Uh, but. Let's you want to move on. Let's move on to the Western Conference. Um, Western Conference now. On the bottom of the screen, you've got the Nuggets versus whoever's in the play-in. Grizzlies versus whoever's in the play-in. The Kings and the Warriors. The Suns and the Clippers. Let's start with the Kings and the Warriors. I, I've been impressed with the Kings. I don't think that they have enough to like make it like so that they're perfectly favorites in that particular matchup. But I mean. <laughs> Are, are the are the are the Warriors going to be able to stop the Kings? Like I don't know. <laughs> Look, man, this all comes down to is Sabonis ready for playoff basketball? I we we don't know. We just don't know. Is Sabonis ready for multiple actions? And can he do what he does versus Draymond and versus Kevon Looney? He bigger There's than a difference. There's a difference between Jokic doing it and and Demonte Sabonis doing it. Like I, I definitely feel like. What they would want to do in that situation is have Draymond be defending Sabonis and then 
baiting him into the post and not really being able to match up with that. But I, I think you're right that that's a that's 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 a really interesting matchup between those two. Yeah, I mean, De'Aaron Fox is going to, you know, I think he's going to play well in the playoffs. He's never been, but I do expect he's going to have some good moments. But I don't see – I think the Warriors are going to win that series. Um, I think it might come down to home and home, and then the Warriors win the last one in, in yeah. Sacramento. I think that's what it might come down to. <laughs> Dude, that would be crazy. You you better believe that Scott Foster's ref in that game seven. <laughs> <laughs> about it. Oh my God! They're they're gonna they're gonna be like, no, oh, guys, sorry, it just it just the schedules worked out that way. Come on, oh goodness. Oh man, but all right. So you got the Kings and the Warriors. I, I yeah, I think I'd I'd probably predict the Warriors. I think it's just it's hard to pick the Kings just because. I mean, everybody what they what they mentioned Denver's defense as is actually what the Kings defense. That's what I was gonna say. I almost tweeted that out earlier that the Kings defense, who everybody thinks the Nuggets defense is, I was exactly about to say that thing. They have no one on their roster, no one except for Davion Mitchell, who doesn't play consistently, that can right. guard at a high level. No one. It's crazy. It's really crazy to watch Keegan Murray be their guy that's like their stopper. Um, and now I, I don't want to I don't want to throw the cart before the horse here because for the Nuggets it's probably Christian Brown, but uh, I do think uh, like I mean at least Denver has more of a they have more of a foundation in terms of like a system that you can trust and guys that can execute yeah. the system. I just don't think the Kings really do. They don't have a look. This is what I mean, Ryan. They don't have a KCP. They don't have an Aaron Gordon. They don't have a Christian Brown. They don't have a Bruce Brown, and they do not have a they don't have a Christian Brown. Just those five alone, and oh, Peyton Watson, just those five yeah, alone, yeah. they don't have those players. So, and then on top of that, and I've, I've said this multiple times, they're like, well, hey, well, Cameron, swipe, but how do you know that the Nuggets this, this, and that? Because the Nuggets have a six foot four and a half point guard, a six five shooting guard, a six ten small forward, a six eight power forward, and a seven foot center, six foot 11, with all bench players from six four, six six, six eight, six eight, six seven to six eleven. That's their strength. They're longer than you, and they're more athletic than you. So that's what gives them the versatility. I'm not worried about the Kings and their length and at the rim. Like, I'm sorry. So Moses, is a, he is what people think Jokic is defensively. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I've, I've had some – I've had some – disdain for what Mark Jones has said about Nicole. What happened Jones. to him? I thought he was a Jokic guy. <laughs> because he watches Sabonis, man. Like it's crazy. It's it's like, but either way, hey, we we are we are supporting the Kings. Like we we yeah. would want the Kings to win. There's no like don't get it twisted, folks. We want the Kings to be successful. That would be great for the NBA. It would be horrible for ratings, but it would be great for the NBA. Um only the NBA the- where your ratings are determined by your market. Because if this was the NFL it wouldn't even be a conversation like, oh, Joe, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Great. We love that. We love to see those stories. The NBA is like, wait, Sacramento? Get out of here. <laughs> Man, I know. I know. Um, Suns versus Clippers in that 4-5. Oh. You, you mentioned this matchup in the first segment. Uh, this is going to be fascinating. And, and I think it's a lot of it is going to come down to health from Paul George's standpoint on what he can actually provide. Uh, I, th- I thought I saw something come across the timeline that said that in his in his podcast tomorrow that he's going to drop a tidbit. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Like if he can if he can play and if Kawhi can play, and if they've got all of the wings and the depth and the versatility that they have. Now they've punted on the regular season just like everybody else, but I don't know, man. Like I, 
Kawhi versus Kevin Durant is going to be super fascinating. Bro, can you imagine Russell Westbrook versus Chris Paul? <laughs> this is what I mean, bro. Like Kawhi Leonard versus KD, Devin Booker hopefully versus PG, and then you got Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, and the rest of those guys, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum. They have the perfect roster con- conceptually on the yeah. West to be able to deal with that. But then the shot making from the Suns, I'm telling you, bro, if Paul George is healthy, the Suns, because I've already said, the Suns haven't beaten anyone since Kevin Durant got there. They haven't. They've beaten no one. And the yeah. Clippers have the identity, I think, to be able to take on that matchup. If Paul George plays, that series can go seven for sure. And, and that's probably the biggest key is it's not necessarily about defeating the Suns in the first round. It's about putting all that mileage on Chris Paul and Kevin Durant and guys like that who the deeper they get into the playoffs and the more the harder that they have to work in these in this playoff series with the lack of depth that they have like those guys are going to be playing 40 every single time every single game just to get through it unless things work out in such a crazy way that they blow out a team early I got to imagine that that team's going to be exhausted with the, after that series, no matter what happens. Like, even if it's a five-game series, those are going to be a hard five games. If, if it's a six- or seven-game series, then the team's going to be exhausted. So I think that I'd probably pick the Suns in that series, but it's going to be a war, and those guys are going to have to work for everything they got. Yeah, I think the Suns are going to win too, but uh, I just think this idea – I think people have a different idea of the Suns than they actually are. because I think they have one of the – I think if you rank the – the Nuggets, War, Nuggets, Memphis, Warriors, Suns, Clippers, um, Warriors. Oh, so what did I say? Nuggets, Nuggets, Memphis, Kings, Suns, Clippers, Warriors, and then maybe the Lakers and then the Timberwolves. I think that the Suns have the second worst defensive personnel of anybody in the West at all eight of those teams. Because Interesting. Aiden is not a good rim protector. He's not. Kevin Durant's going to be their best defender they have on the roster. And for me, I think Josh Okogie's good. He's six foot four. He's a guard defender. He's not a wing defender. And then you got Chris Paul and Devin Booker in your backcourt. I think, and then Terrence Ross and Torrey Craig and Landale coming off the bench. I think they have the weakest defensive personnel outside of the Kings. I think that's going to come down. That's going to matter because they don't have anyone to stop you from getting to the rim. And on top of this, their shot making is going to be what wins them the series. But if they ever not make those shots, like you saw Dallas did yesterday where they switched everything and put them in all these actions, I just think that they, they have real bust potential. But I, I just think that's not a popular assertion because it's got Kevin Durant on that roster. And also, as, as much as people like talking about Kevin Durant hunting mismatches, and he will, he'll find whoever the weakest isolation defender is, the weakest post defender is, the shortest guy is, and he'll, he'll go at that guy. Like People are going to hunt Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. people are going to go at that dude and try to make him as tired as they possibly can. Well, He's going to have to manage so much. Why would I not hunt Devin Booker? I'm not scared of Devin Booker defensively. Oh, no, for I sure. Like, I mean, he could, could hunt both of them. Like, Kawhi could take turns between Chris Paul and Devin Booker and be like, yeah, cool, lunch. Like, this is who I am. Lunch. <laughs> Even Josh Okoge, he's 6'4". Kawhi is 6'8", is and he's huge. So I'm just telling you, man, like, I just think people are just like, I think the shot making is there, bro. But I just, man, I just, for some reason, I just have this feeling about that team. I think the Suns win, though. Let me be clear. I think the Suns win. Man, hope the Bones Island can uh, can can turn that tables for that for that Clipper Suns matchup. That would be so fascinating. Uh, you could do a do a, a nice big old shout out to the Nuggets Nation if 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 he right. knocks off the Suns. Right. That would be that would be great. 
Um, in terms of other matchups there, you've got the the Grizzlies versus whoever comes out of the play-in. Let's assume it's the Lakers in that seven matchup right now. Grizzlies, Lakers? Holy shit. Like, I don't even know how to pick that. Uh, my head wants to tell me the team of continuity and the team that just has the grit and grind and believes in themselves, the Memphis Grizzlies. But my, I think my, you know, heart is just like the Lakers and the refs versus the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round matchup with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull that out because the Lakers could legit win that in six. But I think the Grizzlies are good. I just, I think yeah. the Grizzlies are a really good team. And I think they're really hard to beat. So I'm going to say, I'm going to take, I'm gonna, maybe it's a cop out. I'm going to say, Gavin, same, I'm going to say seven game series and it's a toss up. I think the Lakers will win because there's going to be like a, Hall of Fame level whistle that's going to go in their favor in game seven. Yeah, I assume that we've got the Nuggets getting through in that 1 8 matchup. Let me tell you this right now, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> Could you allude to this idea that Anthony Davis not playing Joker? All right, I'm dead serious about this. Jokic has, he knows this because he's brought this up about winning championships. Jokic took the last month off, Ryan. He missed multiple games. For load managing, I injury, injury. Uh, he was load managing. We know what he's doing, right? If you take a month off and you go eight and ten, and you, which I'm fine with, I was cool with. You have been the best player in the league, arguably the last two and a half to you two, two years. You have a fully healthy roster, Ryan. Whatever Shaquille O'Neal in 2000, 2002 basically put up thirty six and eighteen. Ryan, we need to see series from Joker. Like we saw versus the Warriors when he had 35, 15, and 6 in the last three games of that series. Like we saw versus the Portland Trailblazers. Ryan, he arguably needs to go through this this West run like 32, 14, 7, or 6 on stupid efficiency playing at least average level defense every single series. Every single one. I think he's got to do it. I think this is the put up or shut up time, right? Like this is what every Nuggets fan is waiting for. This is what every, like all the Nuggets are waiting for, for being honest. Like there, there's, like you said, there's a lot of load management going on. There's a lot of like easing up, not necessarily going full bore over these last few weeks. And this team, it's very, very clear that they've been ready for this moment. And, and they've been telling everybody, just wait until the playoffs, just wait until the playoffs. This is going to be who we are. We're going to change and we're going to, we're going to torque up. And if they do that, and if Jokic does that, then I don't know how many people can actually stop them. I don't know how many people can actually get in that way of, of a Nuggets team that is motivated because this should be the most motivated they've ever been. There's no reason for them not to be. And if you've got a Nuggets team that rolls through whoever they are or whoever they're facing in the first round, faces a Suns team that is talented but flawed in the second round, and then the winner of a Warriors-Lakers series in the, the second round on the other side, I mean, they're going to they're gonna have an opportunity. There's no doubt about it. They are going to be the underdog, and actually, they probably shouldn't be but they will probably be the underdog in a Sun series. They will probably be the underdog in a Warrior series if that were to happen. Don't know about the Lakers. That would be that would be fascinating to, to see them, like Vegas, try to figure out those lines. But I think the Nuggets are ready. I think that Jamal Murray's ready. I think that Nikola Jokic is, of course, ready. Uh, Michael Porter has a lot to prove. Aaron Gordon's got a lot to prove. Bruce Brown's been ramping up. Like He's the one guy that I think you could point to on this roster, him and Christian Brown as guys that have ramped up 
over the course of these last few weeks or so. He has ramped up his aggressiveness is where it needs to be. And I think this Nuggets team is where they need to be to take that next step. But yeah, they've 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 faltered at various points. We we gotta just hope that they they push the right buttons on the way. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that I think Jamal Murray probably has a bigger chip on his shoulder than most people realize. I think he carries that missing these last two playoffs really seriously. He's seen SGA and Devin Booker pass him as players, both Kentucky guards. So this is personal. Like, this is a, I mean, not personal in a negative sense. This is personal in, like, you have a chance versus maybe SGA versus Anthony Edwards versus uh, who else could be there? Uh, you know, maybe, you know, Brandon Ingram or whatever else. You got a chance. To put yourself back on the map, but like, look, y'all thought this was a bubble, Bruh, He's averaging like twenty-three, four, and seven, seven assists the last like forty games on like forty-two percent from three and dump. If you can hold that and maybe increase that over a playoff run, Michael Porter Jr. Everybody said you saw. We don't. We know you ain't. They think that you can't get it done. Aaron Gordon, you were put on a board by Draymond Green the first two games of the series last year. KCP. They said that you were you were a Anthony Davis and LeBron James merchant. All these allegations exist. Jokic, they think you're not a top five player. People to this day are taking Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant in the playoffs over you. I'm telling you, everything is on the table, and you can go through Durant, you can go through Curry, and you can go through anybody else that you got to go through, and then get to Giannis and Bead or Tatum, and you can shut everybody up. This is why I'm so hyped. Because I think with Christian Brown and Bruce Brown and Peyton Watson, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji, you have defensive ceiling. You have defensive ceiling you haven't had with KCP and AG and the rest of them. So I'm telling you right now, Ryan, man, I think that Nuggets, I, and I believe this, I think the Nuggets are about to put a lot of people on notice. Could everybody even ask all these questions? Oh, worst one seed. They're the Utah Jazz of 2020. Bet. All right. Watch you come here in Denver. We're going to go up 2-0 in every single series. This is my thing. I want to go up 2-0 in every series at home, and that way all the pressure's on you. We just got to get one on the road now. Could you come back to Denver in this 3-1? Lights out. Yeah. I'm with you there. That's that's what they that's what the vision is, right? That's what you've got to do from a from the perspective of hey, we're gonna put the pedal to the metal on you. You are not gonna see the light of day. And the Nuggets haven't done that over the course of like, frankly, their entire lives. Like that's just that's not who they've been. It's something that they're going to have to change about themselves. It's something that they are going to have to really be serious about and be very, I think, purposeful about where you can't go into a playoff series being like, okay, we're going to feel you out. You can't, you can't feel out the opponent. You have to get up 2-0. That's what being the home team means. You have to get up 2-0 and then put yourself into the easiest possible position you can to move on, survive in advance. It doesn't have to be pretty, but you got to fight. And you can't give up. Like there, there should be no question about who the most talented team is at the end of it. But you can't have any questions about who deserves it more, right. because like this, this Nuggets team that you you can't leave anything up to chance with this. Jokic has to put it all on the court. Murray has to put it all on the court. All these guys, like there's no doubt that they can. There's no doubt that they should. It, they should win the Western Conference this year. Now, whether they win the NBA Finals, I don't know. I can't can't predict that yet. But what I will say is that if Denver is going to be the best version of themselves, we're going to know it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're going to know it next week. If they do it, then great. If they 
are tentative, if they are unwilling to go full bore early on in the series, right. I will officially predict that they will not win the title. Wait, you saying Utah uh, 2020 game seven? <laughs> game three, game three. It, yeah, I mean, if, if we see one of those, then I'll just be like, I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. We're going to go. <laughs> just to make this point to you, I've kept track of this. So since March 19th, so after that, the, Jokic played in the Wizards game, the Bucks game, the 76ers game. He played in the Rockets game and the Jazz game. He's played in five games. Ryan, that means that from March 20th to April 16th, he's played in five games. Should so be if, if you are not 100% locked in, my bro, to do what you normally do, and I know he's going to do it. This is just us talking. Yeah. Bro, that's 26 days roughly where you play five games. You've had 20 days of rest, bro, going into the playoffs. Come on, man. Hey. Hey, look. Put everybody on a – hey, everybody goes up on a milk carton. Whoever you playing against, they on a milk carton because you got to destroy them. And I believe you will because I believe Jokic knows what's at stake, and I also know that he's at a different level than he's ever been. And now they can't trap you. They can't double-team you. I'm cooking, bro. I'm telling you right now, bro. You thought – man, I'm telling you right now, bro. You thought I was cooking before? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm about to put y'all on a – oh, bro. <laughs> Playoff swipe is a new version of swipe that we haven't ever seen before, <laughs> and, and it's gonna be it's gonna be hoodie swipe. It's gonna be sunglasses swipe. It's gonna be playoff swipe. There's there's gonna be championship swipe. I'm I'm looking forward to all those versions. It's gonna be great. Uh, real quick, takes from the future, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, last week, I predicted that Denver would win the one seed and clinch the one seed on a day that they did not play. That did not happen if you were track, or it did happen if you were tracking the timeline and me tweeting about it and reverse jinxing the fuck out of the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> then you're probably you're probably enjoying yourself on that Tuesday or that Wednesday night. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but in general, look, I mean, I think my take from the future this week is going to be that Jokic puts up 35, 20, and 8 in that game one. 35, 20, and 8, and they they win by 20. That's that's going to be my prediction for whatever happens. They will be ready. They've been asking us to believe in them. They've been asking us to just wait and see what happens in the playoffs, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Jokic puts up 35, 20, and 8, and they win game one versus whoever it is. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what that ultimately looks like. What about you? All right. They're going to win game one on Sunday, and I think they're going to have three 20-point games, 20-point scores in that game. Three 20-point scores. Who are they going to be? Man, probably your highest-paid players. So I think it's going to be Jokic, Murray, and Anthony Porter. Hopefully. That would be great. That would be – and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this Porter uh, playoff run as well. That's just going to – it's going to be very vindictive. Or what am I trying to say? It's going to be like vindication. There's going to be a lot of vindication there. Um, I am. I am looking forward to it for sure. Can you imagine uh, our episodes week on a week by week basis for this? Uh, this is going to be incredible. Holy shit! I mean, it's going to be. We're going to be rolling, man. We're going to be rolling. This is going to be a lot of fun content for everybody that's in the chats right now. Make sure to come back here on Sunday. We don't know exactly when this Nuggets game is going to be, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Swipe and I will podcast after uh, that game, unless unless it's deemed to be the night game, in which case we will podcast on Saturday and preview that series. That's going to be 
that's going to be my thing. Cause I, I, if it's a, if it's eight, an eight o'clock, eight thirty game that I'm sorry, like I'm not going to force swipe at a podcast after that game, after I do all the, the post game and shit, but um, we will, we will cross that bridge when we come to it either Saturday or Sunday, depending on how things go. But my man, it has been a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, that was not what I wanted. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for hopping in with me, my guy. Any, any parting takes before we head out of here? Y'all and I'm, just enjoy the process. You have made it through an 82-game season, 53 win. That's huge. First season, celebrate that. Joker arguably had the best season of his career. Whatever anybody lines to and telling y'all, Matt Moore put a great article about by all three MVP candidates. Joker had an incredible year. Look, the team is great. Jamal Murray's here. Michael Porter's here. Aaron Gordon's here. Everybody is here. Enjoy the process. This is going to be maybe the funnest year possibly in Denver Nuggets history. Hopefully so. I'm looking forward to it, my guy. This is going to be a great time. He is Swipe a Cam. Make sure to follow him at Swipe a Cam on Twitter. Make sure to like and subscribe to both of these YouTube channels if you're in the chats. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Nuggets fans, enjoy the ride. It's going to be a great time. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.